0: Hey there, I'm Russell, and I want to welcome you to the L&D Hot Seat, a podcast that focuses on challenging scenarios in the field of learning and development. Whether it's a problem you've dealt with for quite some time or a brand new one, we all seek out solutions to remedy those difficult situations. My hope is that you draw on the experience of these incredible guests, and they inspire you to seek out an answer to that problem. My guest this week is Mark Britz, who's the director of event programming at The Learning Guild. Previously, he worked for more than 15 years designing and managing learning solutions with organizations such as SmartForce, Pearson Digital Learning, Aspen Dental Management, and Systems Made Simple. Mark is the author of Social by Design, How to Create and Scale, a Collaborative Company, and he's an organizational social designer, helping businesses achieve benefits of becoming more connected and collaborative to improve learning and engagement. I've been excited to talk to Mark about submitting speaker proposals to conferences for quite some time. I got the chance to run into him at the Chicago e-learning and technology showcase where he spoke about this very topic. Well, that was enough of a sign for me that I had to have him on the show. And after talking with him, I feel much better equipped to submit my next dynamite proposal. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, here's the show how's it going?
1: Good, Russell. Good
0: to see you again. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you agreed to jump on this with me. Uh, We had met through the Chicago eLearning and Technology Uh Showcase, and it was a fantastic event. I was really fortunate to see you were the keynote speaker. So I was up up close and personal in the front seat but it was a fantastic talk uh, you were talking about redesigning learning for a connected world and it was awesome to meet you there so thank you for jumping on this
1: yeah no it's good to see you again that was a, you're right it was a fabulous event i had never been before and i really found it exhilarating to see a volunteer organization put together such a such a high profile event it's yeah. awesome
0: they did a fantastic job, and I'm looking forward to more people getting connected with them over there. Uh, now, I had, I had referenced your keynote speaking uh, event. However, it was actually another talk that you had during lunch that really caught my interest. Yeah, yeah. And that one was a and a kind of for submitting proposals for conferences. And it kind of got the light bulb going where I was all like, huh, I wonder if Mark would jump on this and talk a little bit about submitting, because that's such a sticking point for so many people who want to jump into conferences and maybe make that transition from attending to eventually speaking.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Let's dig into
0: it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. Let's I'm going to throw this one question at you. I ask all my guests, have you ever been in the hot seat at a job before? And in order to define that, we usually summarize it as a time when you were asked to do something you didn't really know how to do, and now you're scrambling around trying to find a solution. So has that
1: ever happened to you before? Oh, God, yeah. I, don't, I can't imagine it hasn't happened to, happen to any, uh, anyone um, in this respect. But I mean, um, so my background, uh, you know, I've been in L&D for 20 plus years. So at one point, I was the the instructional designer at a place called Aspen Dental Management. So Aspen Dental is a national company. And I was supporting our doctors. I was supporting our office manager training, things along those lines. And I was supporting our regional managers. And I can remember uh, one incident in particular where a regional manager reached out to me, and they were about to give um, a regional event to all their, you know, their the the people underneath them. And literally that day they were doing it, and they thought it was going to be really easy. They wanted to turn their laptop into a sound mixer. They wanted to have a microphone and have it project out. And I was like, okay, the best way to handle this is connect them with IT and tell ask IT what what can they do. And immediately IT was like, can't be done. And oh, I went, okay, you're going to, you got, I'm looking for your help and you're going to leave me hanging. Yeah. A little um, bit of yes and please. <laughs> yeah. So this is around 2009, maybe 2010. And I remember immediately turning to Twitter and I put out to my network, which was growing at that time saying this, you know, 140 characters at that point, I said, this is what needs to be done. And within two hours, somebody created a small video of how to do it. Cause they did it accidentally using audacity. And I flipped that video over to that regional manager. And I have to say I was the hero of the day because (laughs) they immediately were able to convert that and make it happen. And I think the the lesson there, of course, is the power of your network. And uh, you're really always building that network over time because when you need them most, um, they're going to be there.
0: Yeah. And, and having multiple eyes on something and different perspectives. I really yeah. love that story because it kind of reminds me of <laughs> I know that Reddit isn't typically used for this, but sometimes I'll find people submitting a picture of like tons of screws or nails that have fallen on the ground. And they're like, hey, I'm looking for this one bolt. Can you yeah. find it? And it's like an I spy situation where you've got thousands of people that are all looking at this problem and they can all work together to try and figure it out.
1: Yeah, I mean, another part of it was that was the bigger piece I had to share internally to the company to really kind of move forward with a lot of the work I was doing in internal social media. Because I, I immediately had something that was practical and relevant and bi- had a business impact that I could turn to versus some nebulous conversation about sharing knowledge or collaboration using social tools. Now I could lean into something that was really in tune to the business there. And it really opened the door to the conversation much stronger than I if I hadn't had that moment.
0: I also like the idea of asking questions, because honestly, this field, as new as it does seem, most of the questions have been asked in one way or another. The answer is out there, I feel. And so if you you may have to change your wording slightly, but chances are you're going to find a solution.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more.
0: Very cool. Well, awesome. I am excited to have you on. And I'm looking at three burning scenarios about submitting for proposals and conferences. Are you ready to jump into the hot seat with me?
1: I'm ready. Let's let's do it, Russ. I think I'm ready. Let's do it.
0: <laughs> let's do it. All right. So this first one, let's say that someone's considering making a shift from conference attendee to speaker. What does getting on the stage do for you and your career?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um... I'll start, I'll start by saying it's, it's, it's not what it will do, okay? It is definitely what it can do. And that's really about you and what your your objectives. You might remember at Chicago, in Chicago, Russell, there was one question asked of me of like, what was my intention? What was my ROI the first time I wanted to speak? And it, it took me back on my heels. I've never been asked that question. And it really came down to just, a, it was a little bit of altruism that I wanted to share, you know, what I knew. Uh, but it was also very much I wanted to test a little bit of what I've done with my peers. I wanted, I wanted to share with them something I worked on and allow them to ask good questions of me that might refine my thinking and may improve my own process. And so what I, I want to say is, can it make your career, you know, uh, take a different step forward? Absolutely. But I think the intention has to be more about the audience. Right. So what, what do they need and want when you do this? And I think then it's kind of like, let the cards fall where they will after that. Because I think if you come at it with a very sincere proposition of, I have something to share, uh, I have something to put out there, and you're open to listening, that's where your growth comes from. So I I think it'll open a lot of doors with, with that right mindset.
0: I really love that philosophy because I feel like that is so reflective of the community, the LD community as a whole. Right. People are so nice and, and want to help you succeed, that they want to encourage your development. And the best way to make connections here is to pay it forward, to try and meet people's needs, meet their problems with solutions. If you are trying to sell something, it is obvious, I feel. Right. And a lot of people will pick up on that. But if you have... A solution to people's problems, they're going to turn to that. And that's going to be immediate. Absolutely. Yep. Nailed it. Very cool. So uh, on that note, though, uh, let me ask you some other things that could benefit you for getting on stage. Uh, I like this idea of making connections and meeting people's needs. But I would imagine that if someone is putting in the time and effort into doing this, they probably have some career advancement for themselves that they'd want to make. Sure. So uh, do you think that people might be considered more serious in the field if they have speaker arrangements or they, they take the time to get on stage?
1: Yeah, because I think, you know, there's, there's something to be said for making that human connection face-to-face, be it on a virtual program like this, you know, when we're, we're talking with this, or being in front of people. Uh, it gives you a chance to really kind of show the emotion behind your work, the passion that you have within it. I think there's no better way to do that than when you present live in uh, a conference environment. Because not only will you have this impact on your audience to the point where they gain knowledge, But you're also going to be seen as as having a strength in that particular area. And you'll find the conversation starts to evolve after that. You start to connect with people of a like mind. And it gets back to my earlier point about, you know, kind of building your network.
0: I really love that, especially when last year I was able to attend DevLearn and the connections that I made has just grown stronger throughout the year. And I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to this year because I feel like it's just another chance to foster that development with more connections and build that network. Kind of going back to your first story, you never know when that network is going to come into your aid and help you out with certain problems. 100%. Very cool. And then um, some people might have new theories in the field. Yeah. They might have a new solution to problems. Do you feel like getting on stage and talking about that gets more eyes on your work?
1: Oh yeah. Obviously you've got a captive audience, you know, and, and obviously you want to make sure that if that captive audience is the I should say you, sh- you should want to make sure that captive audience is the right audience. And mm. and that gets to a little bit about like proposing for a conference. And I want to dig into that a little bit because that's what I talked about in Chicago. I talk about all the time at our events. And it's really, I think that's one of the central tips, you know, that I could offer is, you know, making sure that when you're thinking about proposing and sharing a solution that you have that audience in mind, you can picture who's in the room, you know, you can understand what, what, you know, world they're navigating on a daily basis and the problems they face. Don't write for everybody, because when you do, you write for nobody. And I think if you're gonna get up there, you might have the most genius solution. Uh, You might have the most fascinating case study to share, but if the audience is wrong, it's gonna land flat and you're not gonna get what you came for and that was getting that feedback, that input and building that network. And knowing your
0: audience, knowing your learners, it's just something that transcends between different fields and that's so smart. Uh, Since you brought it up, let's jump into the second question, because I feel like this is a big one. Really, the idea of you've got a pitch. Now you want to format your submission so that you have the possible chance of being accepted. How do you do that? You'd kind of reference knowing your audience and trying to meet a problem. Are there other tips for getting successful submissions accepted?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, we could go down, you know, like I did in Chicago, probably a good 45 (laughs) minutes of this. But I think some of the things that really stand out uh, for me and my team, and I can't speak again, I say it's a lot, I can't speak for other organizations, but I know there's some general themes that people are always looking for. And one of the biggest things I think that jumps out is, again, we're we're the proxy. I'm the reviewer of a proposal, but I'm not the audience, but I'm approaching it with the audience's eyes. So I want you to write to the audience, not to me, not to get on there. Don't tell me how smart you are right? Tell me how you're going to solve my problems. How coming to your session is going to make me better or do different because I went there. And I think the other thing is to go with that and a big one is paint a picture for that reviewer of what that 60 minutes, that 45 minutes, that full day workshop you put. paint me a picture of what that day looks like. What am I going to see? What am I going to do? What am I going to hear? What am I going to engage in? The more detail you provide that says, yeah, this looks like a an in-depth 60-minute session that's going to cover all these major points and not just tells me the points, but tells me how we're going to get there, that's a strong proposal.
0: I really love this idea of result-driven um, because yeah. you are trying to meet a need and, and kind of putting yourself in the shoes of your audience is a great way to, to really know what are the pain points yeah. and try and meet that and, and tailor that, the description of that, so that people will see the relevance towards their own problems.
1: Right, right. And, and, and like I said, again, you have 60 minutes, let's say, on average in a, in a session. You need to tell the story of what it's going to be like to be in that room. You know, you almost got to sit in that seat and go, I need to like be in the shoes of my audience for a bit to know because you're selling them that time. You're saying, I want you to be here for the 60 minutes. Is it going to meet my needs? What am I going to do? How am I going to learn what you're telling me? Not just tell me what you're going to get across to me and your objectives, but the how. The how is a big piece that's often missing in proposals.
0: Yeah. And and what you said at the end too, kind of uh, telling them what they're going to take away from this. Yes. That that is so important, too, because most people have a problem when they come to a conference, they have a problem and they want to find a solution to bring back to their company or their organization. So having that in their toolkit when they leave, it's got to be incredibly
1: valuable. Yes. Yeah. Nail that value proposition of the takeaway. It's not the takeaway in that moment. But like when you get back to the office, you're going to be able to do or do something better than had had you not have gone to the event, had not gone to that session.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so when, when I attended your session in Chicago, uh, someone had asked a question and I chuckled about this, but it also got the wheels going. And they asked, what about using chat GPT to help you with your submissions? <laughs> so is that considered cheating? What do you think?
1: I think I think there's some ethics around any of the LLM models and, and any of the tools that are out there. Of course, we have to be considerate of that. I think where these where these tools like ChatGPT and the others come in handy or are most useful, and maybe it's cliche to say it, but it's your co-pilot. It's, your, it's, the, it's the tool you can take all your ideas, your ideas, right? That's the key thing. You don't want it scraping the internet. But you're putting your ideas in and helping it format it the way you want it to be seen. But... I'll argue is this. We're seeing some of that come through and it's great. It creates a clean submission, you know, it cuts out things. But you have to live up to it. So if it's embellishing anywhere, you have to remember that there are evaluations at the end of your proposal, you know, excuse me, at the end of your session. And therefore, you know, if you're not meeting the objectives or doing the things you say you're going to do because you left it to an AI to produce it, it's probably going to bite you in the end. So <laughs> use it cautiously, use it to help you make things much more succinct, all right? To make sure Actually, ChatGPT is a fabulous tool for evaluating. If you have a criteria of what you're looking for to to tell in your proposal, try to use it as a way of saying, am I meeting here what I intend to meet? I think it's a better way to use it.
0: I really love that, especially using it as a springboard or a foundation or working off of that because you're right. You're not going to be, AI is not going to be sitting at that panel with you, right? right? You're the one who's going to be leading this. Ensure that you know what you're talking about and ensure that you are meeting a need. Very Cool. What about popular topics for the year? I know that a lot of people might think that oh this is what people want to hear this year, you know. So for instance, I feel like AI is the big trending topic. Sure. Is- Right, so do you think people should tailor their conversation to that, or should they stay true to maybe what they're doing and and maybe stick within that?
1: well, I, I think you're leading the witness on that one I think <laughs> definitely I definitely think you better know what you're not trying to get on a, a, a conference just to get on a conference just to get that free registration uh, you know that often comes with being a, a conference speaker it's It's definitely being true to yourself and your skills again, if you're an l d. Uh, L&D is a, is a broad spectrum of skill sets and roles, and it still is your audience is going to be there. So it's, it's a matter of making sure that, that you're, again, I say it again and again and again, tailoring that to a specific audience within um, our industry. And you really can't go wrong as long as you're meeting the needs of a select group. So I wouldn't say try to stretch too far where you're positioning yourself with what you think we want to see on the conference, You know, we want the people in the room who know what they're doing and have done it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Two for two, Mark. We're on to our last hot seat question. You ready for this? All right. (laughs) Let's do it. So this one is... Uh, really about your bio. Now, um, hmm. I've submitted to DevLearn before. I know that you have to include a bio and a little bit about your relevancy towards the topic or your expertise in it. How important is the bio towards submitting for a conference? Does you know being known for a line of work improve your chances of being accepted?
1: That's great. Um, I think I think it's important, but not critical. And the reason I say that is because. We know in L&D, there's a lot of people who stretch beyond, you know, maybe what's a documented uh, background that they might have in their bio. You know, they've experimented. I mean, this story is true for me, too. So I'll give a case example. My first time ever speaking at an event was at the Learning Solutions Conference. I think it was around 2012, 2013. And I had, uh, you know, if you read my bio, I was an instructional designer. I was an e-learning developer. I worked for companies like SmartForce and I was at Aspen Dental. But it didn't have in there what I was working on at that moment. Right. And because that doesn't fit a bio. Um, But it was about, you know, using social technology for onboarding new hires. And I did that work. And so you can make a connection between that but it might be a, it might be a slight disconnect for people to think about social technology but maybe the onboarding. And so the idea is that yeah, I think the bio is important to know you come from the space that you have, you know, credibility, but we also expect people are stretching and experimenting and trying a new and we welcome those conversations into our events. So I don't necessarily think you're going to get dinged too much, unless, of course, you came from real estate and you're trying to tell me all about, you know, instructional design theory and practices. So it's it definitely helps, uh, but it's not necessarily something that's going to be a um, a red flag if there's a slight disconnect.
0: Okay. All right. I like that, and I, I would imagine that, like, when I attend a session, I always like to be familiar with certain speakers. Yeah. I like to know their names, and then like I like to do a little deep dive into them, figure out who they are, maybe their body of work as well. Do you recommend that someone maybe build a community around their work before jumping onto a conference?
1: I think building a, building a community would be can be a very long and arduous process. Hmm. Um, so I would say no, because I think because of that reason, I, you're holding back on, on bringing value to somebody, waiting for something to develop and, and, and mature your ideas and build upon that practice. I could say the opposite is true. I think sometimes speaking at an event and putting yourself out there invites community. Right. Mm. So I think you start to find those people in your network that are talking and doing the same types of thing, which only which only really kind of grows your own practice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, Since you brought up maybe a potential pitfall, are there any other things that people should be maybe aware of before jumping in or they might have a specific idea going in, but like they learn from their experience that, hey, like I I should do it differently next time?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think one of the things that sometimes comes up a lot is you have to remember that um, at a lot of the learning and development conferences, they do speak to mostly people who are working in a corporate-type setting, okay? We welcome proposals from people who work in maybe what I call a vertical, maybe a sales area, or maybe they work in healthcare or it's academic. Sometimes where people go astray is as they're writing their proposal, they're talking at length about a unique subset group that this was designed for. Doctors, sales agents, uh, could be nurses or something like that. And what they're forgetting is those people aren't likely going to be in the room. Mm -hmm. And so it's more like you need to be thinking about how do I take what I'm talking about and show that it connects to different areas, that with slight modifications, this approach we undertook, these tools we used can reach a a diverse audience. Because the last thing I'd want to do is go to a session That is designed for students in an academic setting, even though I'm looking at it going, boy, that tool is fascinating to me. You know, that approach speaks to me. But this was designed for students and I'm not working with students. So no thanks. I think that's a big miss for a lot of people is, you know, thinking about the broader needs that are out there and how to tailor your specific example to meet that broader need.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Especially the scenario of figuring out what a learner is and where you're meeting that specific need. Yep. Um, one of the things that I think is really unique about the Learning Guild and the submissions for DevLearn and Learning uh, is that you also give the chance for feedback and, and reviews. And I, a, a lot of conferences, I really haven't seen that before. Can you speak a little bit more towards that? Yeah, we really welcome this
1: this conversation. And one of the things we often say to people is, if you have an idea, something you want to speak on, you're thinking about all the questions you asked. Um, we say email us. You know, email us at programs at learningguild.com. One of me, myself, or my team um, will will jump on that and give you some feedback. No, we don't want a full proposal at that point, right? Maybe, we're, maybe you're you're four months from the launch of the uh, call for proposals. But that'd be a great time to reach out to us, say, hey, I wanna talk about this. And that we can give you feedback to help you refine it. It's never a guarantee you're gonna make it on the program. and Cause there's, so, there's a myriad factors uh, that go into one our selection processes. But we will definitely put you on the right course, um, you know, to be a little bit more, high, you know, higher chances of being accepted. Cause we'll be able to speak to the nuance of your proposal and where it may or may not you know, be hitting the mark.
0: Yeah. It kind of reminds me of a professor that might look at your first draft and also kind of like, Hey, I like what you did here. You need to revise this, you know, go, go back to the drawing board, bring it back. And then maybe we can look at that second draft that might be a little bit more successful.
1: Right. And the other thing too, along with that is, you know, sometimes we take some liberties with the proposal. Well, we might, you know, not, Take any major content away or add content to it in any way, but it's more about refining because uh, that the title of it might be tweaked by us, mm-hmm. and we we put that back out there and lo- allow our speakers to obviously chime back in. But the biggest reason we do is because we want the biggest audience in the room for you, right? Yeah. So we're doing it because we have years of experience in knowing like what's going to hit the mark for people and what might dilute your message. You know, how's that title going to land for people when we? People should really have a clear, you know, succinct title, so that you're getting the biggest crowd in there because that's what we all want.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mark, thank you so much for jumping on this. This was a lot of fun. And you answered all my questions with uh, the gusto that I expected of someone who's looking at all this stuff. So I'm super excited. And I highly encourage a lot of other people to check out the Learning Guild, a lot of the events you're putting on and submit a proposal. I mean, why not, right? This is a chance for you to be able to speak at these events, make these connections, meet those needs that people are talking about. Mark, can you tell me what are you currently working on? Where can people connect with you?
1: Well, there's obviously my work at the Guild and my team, and we're always working to, to build the best conferences possible, to, you know, to meet the industry needs. So we're working on our, our Learning and HR Technology Showcase show. It's happening in April right now. DevLearn's right around the corner, so you know I'm fine-tuning things there. Uh, and then, you know, you saw me keynote. I talk a lot about organizational design and social behaviors. Um, so right now I'm in the stage of pondering a second book, um, just working a little bit more practical about the... A working title is the Organizational Social Designer's Handbook. So that's happening on the side, but always the guild work is is front and center.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate this. And I would love to have you back for another run through the hot seat.
1: Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, Russell. Thanks for the time.
0: Hey there. I want to thank you for listening. We here at the L&D Hot Seat are trying to release new episodes every two weeks, but we can always use your help. If you got questions or scenarios you'd like advice on, or maybe you just want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email at ldhotseat at gmail.com or visit the show notes for every episode at russellsweep.com hotseat. On top of that, why not leave a rating and review on whatever streaming service you use? Believe it or not, it actually helps. Thanks again and hope to hear from you.